Do not open this door. I had to say it anyway because it doesn't make sense in the movie. And then I got on top and I spit into his mouth. Well, it doesn't ruin my story. It just it just makes it a conversation rather than a story. Perhaps a little drunk <laughs> no. from from the day's festivities. I would love to meet the woman who likes it. Oh, I freaking thought the moon landing. I, I love the moon landing from the standpoint of I believe in the moon landing. So we're real pieces of shit, I think, for... Uh... <laughs> I'm curious to know the why on this one. But well, okay. I think it's... I'm not disagreeing at all. It's to, to people who press play than, than to you and I in this moment. But, I mean, uh, you know, do an episode, then... Uh, you know, we just haven't been keeping up on this is the problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, okay, that instance. Got it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't know what to do about it, but here we are. Yeah, you are, you it are. is what it is. Unfortunately, uh, not enough listeners for us to make this our living, so. Right. There's only so much you can expect <laughs> for what's essentially a free podcast at this point, so. But, yeah, we've been bums, for sure. Yeah. Speaking of bums, we're uh, actually recording this in a parking lot in Joe's car while it rains around the outside of us. A couple of homeless people, because mm-hmm. uh, I have bed bugs in my pants. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know why I thought this would be a better idea. Because as soon as you said you still had bed bugs, I was like, "Get, let's get you out of this apartment." Yeah, right into your car. Yeah, I don't know why that would be better. I mean, I, really, I, we shouldn't be in any space. You should be at home. I should. I should That's be, what we should have we should here. Have an underground bunker. No, no, just not. You know. Uh, spreading bug bed bug yeah, beds. It's not like I shake my pocket and they fall out or anything like that. It's, right, but you, a, you you take a chance just walking out your door, Joe. <laughs> yeah, or if you have bed bugs and you come over to someone's house, I mean that's just it. Now it's like COVID. Well, I didn't want to. It's COVID now, bed. I didn't want to come. <laughs> Comes over. in threes. You, you wanted me to come over. I wanted you to come over. Yeah. Well, as opposed to what? We could have done it via Zoom or some shit. I guess. Yeah. Uh, which, which both of us adore. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I canceled Monday. I thought that you, I assumed if you came over, it'd be bed bugs. Well, free. like I said, I don't have the, there's no bed bugs in my room at the moment. But does your roommate have them now? Yeah, my roommate does over in his room. Right. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's put on a mask, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the problem is, I can I can feel myself itching now. <laughs> I mean, the whole drive over to this parking lot, yeah. I, I felt myself itching, and it's like obviously, it's, I'm just like or, or, thinking about bed bugs. I don't know what, what I mean. It's the worst fucking thing. Bed bugs, you would assume, have some sort of like um, Charles Dickens like um, tenement. You know, like it's like people who are living in total squalor. Right, right, right. Well, so that's okay. So, honestly, but it's not. Once I went, yeah. Once I discovered this fucking thing, I did my reading on it, and yep. yeah, it has nothing to do with. I know that. you just assume it's it's like oh, of course, some garbage person, right? I mean, you know, that place I lived in San Francisco, the last place I lived, you remember that well. Like occasionally, there would be a bed bug scare in one of the rooms of that place. But again, that place was that place squalor. was a shithole. But. But it, it had nothing to do with bed bugs, and it's uh, like they don't seem to like. I'm not even sure what they the, don't carry disease. They're not. What's like, their purpose? Uh, what's that? What is their purpose? They, think, well, they find us yummy as shit. That's what it is. Yeah, I guess. Uh, How do they work they in the world? Okay, so they get something there, but what? Uh, I guess something. We get nothing. 
Somebody gets something off the bed box. Well, Somebody's uh, making in the, some think, money on the back end here. I think my roommate Tommy. Dave gets pets, but that's it. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. What am I doing? Maligning that saint. The what? My maligning that saint. I shouldn't do that. Uh, well, okay. Well, tell us about Dave since you mentioned him. So, wow, my roommate is moving. Oh, fucking cannot wait. What do you hate about this guy? It's more like it's the, the list is shorter the other direction. It's the what don't I hate? I know, but I, I give him credit for not being overtly malicious, just dumb and self-involved. Like that's the thing. He's a slob. He's a slob, and I'm saying well, that I'm fully aware. <laughs> I get it. I get someone it. else. What? what I, give me the like. Is specifically what does he do? Uh, I'll give you an example here. Uh, about three weeks ago, he uh, used uh, my baking pan to. Uh, incinerate a rack of ribs. <laughs> Just cook the living fuck out of the goddamn thing. Uh-huh. And then promptly left the uh, left the pan in the fucking oven for uh, for a week, week and a half, before mm. anybody noticed it. Yeah. Eh, that's just an example. Well, see, that's what's interesting. That's what I mean. Like, like this I'm guy a slob, seems but this like guy's a nightmare. different level. But, but li- listen to the last part of what you said mm-hmm. before anybody noticed it. It's sort of, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, it's, it's, there's Felix and Oscar, but then it's like Felix moved out and then a monster Oscar moved in. That's the situation. Like, you're not a, you're. I'm aware that part of what I dislike about this gentleman is right. how much of me is reflected in him. But he's way worse. I'm not suggesting you're the same. He's well, obviously you way worse. But, but it's, but, but when you go like, hey, left food in my pan. And no one knew it for a week. So well, like, okay, he left it in the oven, you still silly bastard. I don't use the oven every day. Yeah, but all right. I go, I go weeks at a time without using the fucking oven. I use that for very specific things. I do most of my cooking on the on the on the stove top. Uh, yeah. But, okay. Yeah. Okay. And what else? Do you, uh, what else is? Uh, he's not malicious. He's just he's gross. You're saying. Yeah. He's a gross human being. Yeah. What uh, is that? Pretty much the most. Yeah, I mean, there's just variations on that particular. Yeah, thing. gross. He's just is a hard terrible fucking. He's a terrible roommate. It's just not. I've had worse roommates. I have literally had worse roommates, but those. Oh, those... I remember the guy, the drinker, Bill. Oh yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> and in same place, different roommate was actually literally on crack, right? So that's yeah. oh, and okay. Well, that's the other thing. Dave is also like a raging. <laughs> it's a raging alcoholic too. Yeah. He's like just a day drinker, just a loner day drinker in his room, and he drinks the shittiest booze. Fuck. White Claw, go fuck yourself. That is, po- what do you, what do you, uh, why is White Claw so popular? Do, uh, Guys, wait, no easy just, answer. Give me a real answer. Like, why is White Claw so popular? We're just increasingly pussies. Uh, the, 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 it started with us, with our generation, with the fucking goddamn, uh, what do you call it? The uh, the wine coolers, right? It's mm-hmm. young people drink. Young people are caught in what they call, what's, uh, I've heard called the yummy zone. Right, they stick to an area. It's the yummy zone. Yeah, I think I got it from Adam Carolla, frankly. Okay. But it's, uh, but it's, but it's like you, you, you stick to the things that taste delicious. When you get to a certain age, mm-hmm. if you, you know, you complete the circuit of maturity, yeah. you start looking at different things. You start looking for different experiences in that, and that's where you get scotch from. But you get somebody who's stuck, in, you know, who's drinking, you know, berry coolers. Uh, who never makes a transition into drinking at least the occasional scotch or, or something like that, uh, then you get like this kind of, it's this fucking adolescent zone that a lot of, uh, yeah, and that I am uh, displeased to notice a lot these days. So Yeah, okay. Well, I'm displeased as much from my own angle as, as from anybody else's, frankly. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the blueberry bagel syndrome and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Why do we care? 
Oh, well, I mean, look at the fucking movies we watch. I mean, let's just bring it right back down to that. I mean, well, that just shows that we do care, but like, why do we care about the, well, about what other people choose? Because we do. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I, I don't. I do too. But like, well, because I think because we grew up with examples uh, of older males who behaved in a way. And we've taken that as our, we've taken that, you know, that as our clue and our example of how to behave. I mean, not saying that they drank scotch. What I'm saying is they stepped out of their, you know, they stepped out of the uh, the blueberry uh, fucking bagel comfort zone. Uh-huh. And, you know, you learn to live life a little bit on its own terms, in a sense. That's the pajamas in public conversation. Yeah, really. <laughs> We're back to that goddamn thing, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's adolescence. It's this lack of uh, it's this lack of a concrete notion of manhood. I think, in a certain sense, well, or adulthood in a larger sense. Yeah, you know, the guy. This is a uh, good transition because I one of the many times I changed my room around when I was in like junior high school. I would change my room to try to make it into like an apartment. I was really Ooh. kind of obsessed with that, like having a table in there and having like bookshelves and. And certain lights and like it's like a studio apartment. Weirdly, one of the ones I first modeled my apartment after my apartment slash room when it was uh, in uh, junior high school was um, uh, out of Magnum Force. I really, really uh, loved his okay. sparse, manly and Clint Eastwood, very manly, mm-hmm. manly in the best way, manly in the kind of like the silent. So you always hear about Clint Eastwood, the silent, strong type. You think he's scowling, which he is sometimes, but silent and like kind of blank. Like, whatever your move is, I guess I'll just handle it. I like the Clint Eastwood. Right. I'm a, sort of a natural fan of Clint Eastwood. Well, you are? Or are not? I am. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I well, like, a, I, like much of what Clint Eastwood does except the stuff that's clearly horrible. <laughs> well, okay, so and I'll go you one better. I think um, Clint Eastwood, like, just taking that apartment just for an example, mm-hmm. like, there, there was just, there was a... There's that mid-century goddamn furniture mm-hmm. that is just very tasty in that sense. Very masculine, or just, but very Spartan yeah. would be a good word for it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would come along with such an apartment. So, yeah, you know, it's it's it's. I think it's you and I hearkening back to an older time period. That's not not our time period even, which kind of makes it weird, but kind of doesn't because it's the example that was set for us. But about. I don't know. Okay, well, yeah, I guess it was set for us. But but, well, I, by the way, I saw. Um, Cry Macho a couple of months ago. Oh, okay. Was it as was it as good as Gran Torino? Gran Torino I thought was great. I did too, but that, was it as good as that? I think uh, it asking. was it was de- definitely the worst film of 2021. It was mm. so hu- embarrassing. Really? It was humiliating cuz Clint was 92, so he is 90 in in Cry during the filming of <laughs> Cry Macho. Yeah. And he writes himself into a, a Mexican woman who's in her 50s falling Head over, you know, wet panties for him. Hmm. Just like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) And he gets in a fight, and it's like, it, it's so <laughs> awful. His his it, the whole thing is just an exploration. He did a movie called The Mule a couple of months ago that I thought was great because it really played on the idea of a guy who's who's been masculine, but he, or macho even, but he's lost his his abilities in life, and so he takes this deal as an old man who would be unsuspected as a drug mule in order to make his last bit of cash for the family he, he dislikes cool. him. And it's like okay. it was actually a good movie, and it was like it was self aware. Right. And this cry macho was I cry blacho. I can't think of a better one, but it's just <laughs> it was it was embarrassing to watch. Right, you know, I was grande. watching in, in front of somebody who's who's kind of a Clint Eastwood um, 
type, a kind of a parallel type to Clint Eastwood, mm -hmm. who's 82, and I felt kind of embarrassed watching it with him because I thought, this guy's got to realize what we're all seeing, and, mm -hmm. but no one wants to say it out loud because mm -hmm. there's an old old person you know in the same room with us but bleak. anyways i like i liked your idea here because you you wanted to do an episode on clint eastwood and then it's like well what do we do what do we do with clint eastwood and it's like maybe once in a while this idea of let's split an actor or maybe even a director into a couple of episodes they don't have to be back to back or anything yeah but that explore maybe different angles and so with clint eastwood the the two obvious angles all prior to 1980 are the the westerns or whatever we call them mm -hmm. pioneering slash western slash cowboy and then like the other like urban or cop or whatever dirty right, hairstyle right, so right. so this time you and I are going to cover the um, the Clint Eastwood westerns prior, to, or a couple of them prior to 1980. Right, and I got to say these aren't like uh, I kind of I kind of consider these not um, I don't know how to put this not not like his necessarily prestige movies. Like these are kind of middle of the road. In fact, a lot of people who would like would talk knowingly about Clint Eastwood might or might not have seen either of these ones. That's possible, but I, I, I think the prestige thing you're wrong on. I, I actually think... At one, least one of them is, yeah. One of them is actually, like, the first, I think, okay. maybe, of his prestige... Well, I'm going to go Sergio Leone on that one. Like, those, like Good, Bad, and the Ugly, which preceded these guys. You're going to do it to what, based on what I was saying? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think that's, like, his first sort of, like, stuck, you know, step into the prestige Western. Uh... Yeah, I guess I'm. I'm maybe I'm. I'm. I'm separating things too much, possibly. Mm -hmm. But I. I. It's not a criticism when I call them pre non prestige. It's just that they're not art. They don't oh. strike me as trying to be art. Whereas right. the second film we're going to talk about today does, and those are like they're just exactly are what they are. Sp spaghetti or spaghetti adjacent westerns. <laughs> does that make sense? Tortellini westerns, my friend. Well, I mean. <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah I, I know what you're saying. I, I, <laughs> one of them is, um, is I, we're talking about Hang 'em High and, and then the Outlaw Jesse Wales. Wales. right. Hang 'em High, I never saw it before now okay. because I, it looked bad to me. It looked like <laughs> a bad movie to uh. me. And I, and then I watched it and I was surprised at how much I liked it and then was surprised again at how, what, bad reviews it gets from people right people okay. don't like hang em high at all and i think it's actually a pretty damn good movie i have uh i haven't i, I the, the, hang em high was one I, I picked i mean if you if you think about it, like high plains drifter would have been like sort of the obvious choice for this one right here that's what i thought yeah yeah but uh but no hang em high i wanted to do this one and i kind of want to do it particularly because i have a relationship with this movie in a sense mm -hmm. it's the first movie where i kind of it's the first movie that i can remember where I kind of questioned what was going on the screen. Like, I wasn't, like, I needed some help sort of processing this. Like, why did they take a guy who was hanged and throw him in prison? I remember specifically asking my, my dad this question uh -huh. because I was just completely baffled and befuddled by that. I think it was 19. No, I'm kidding. Uh, more, I think it was like five or six at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, I, so, you know, I wanted a little bit of guidance on that because I was kind of mystified by what was going on on the screen. I wanted to see that. And also, I want to see it because I loved it when I was a kid. Uh, so at this time, it's not a great, I don't think it's a great movie, but it's definitely enjoyable. I liked it. Uh, but it's, huh. it doesn't, it's not as big as it loomed in my mind when, from when I, from when I first saw it. I it's the only other time I saw it, frankly. I, I think it's pretty damn good. I'm, I, I don't really see the shortcomings that people see. It, you know, it's, um, it's got a great cast. It's got, um, who's that guy? Uh, Pat Hingle. 
He's he was my favorite thing with Pat Engel is he's in the um, uh, the Grifters later on as a guy who who beats. Yeah, he's uh, he's a tremendous them. character actor. But from he was that also period. in Love Me Tender. You know, yeah. we did an episode on on, uh, on Elvis, and so it's like that right there is like a thirty something plus year range. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays the sheriff who's got. Well, it's a movie really about. Uh, I think unlike a lot of the other spaghetti western or spaghetti western type movies. It's it it actually is a movie that puts the moral quandary right out there. I don't think the Good, and Bad, and the Ugly really does that actually, and I don't no. think that um, High Plains Drifter does really either. No, no, I think this one actually has a moral case to examine, and it's about revenge. And this is a yeah. guy, you know, Clint Eastwood, who has the the best reason for revenge. A group of seven people accuse him of rustling cattle, and he's innocent, and they hang him, and right. he is somehow saved by a wandering. Uh, <laughs> Sheriff Ben Johnson. This, this is a year before the Wild Bunch. Yeah, this, it's it's kind of yeah. He looks just like him too. It's fucking great. I mean, he looks just like the character from the Wild Bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the fact that like to just he just happens to wander by when a guy's like pretty hilarious. Yeah. Just just the, the odds of that are are kind of fantastic. But yeah, uh, okay. But no, I'm going to go with you on that. And I, and like more than that, I mean, it's a moral and and legal and ethical quandaries like sort of abound on this thing. It's not just about revenge. It's also just you know like what is law, right? Yeah, and also like the power dynamic because look, he's he's taken back. You say like he's he's cut down, and it, it, he lives through the initial attempt at lynching yeah. from this this group of yahoos, which include a young Bruce Stern and a very old um, Ed Begley and the Skipper. Oh, and Alan Hale, the Skipper. I forgot about that. <laughs> And, and and so they don't do the job fully, and so Ben Ben Johnson um, comes along and, and takes him to prison because it's like, look, either you were wrongly hung or we're going to hang you anyway. Mm-hmm. And so Clint Eastwood has a scar, and he now gets to wear his, his famous like Western bandana around, and he's put in jail. But 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 once he's he's innocent, Pat Hingle, the sheriff, offers him a job. And what's interesting mm-hmm. is. Uh, Clint is less interested in revenge than Pat Hingle is. The person who has mm. the greatest motivation to go out and, and sort of wreak havoc on the world is Clint Eastwood. And Clint Eastwood has actually, the, the experience of being nearly killed by lynching has actually created a greater sense of, of a, a need for justice in the world. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why he's, he's, he's a kind of a, a purifying figure in this. And Pat Hingle is the institution. Right. So like Clint Eastwood is railing against like the the injustices out there in the mm. world that are that are uh, perpetuated by yeah. by scoff laws, but also the institution of the law, which is itself uh, kind of like automatically corrupting. I think it's kind of an interesting morality play. Okay, I'll go, I'll go with you on that too. And I think mm-hmm. you know there's the further tear on it too as as a man who's been a victim of hanging. Uh, he has a problem with hanging being used too much, like as it had been in his case. So yeah. it's really interesting. But but I would say as far as like it not being a great movie, I think we just kind of described the whole movie. Well, no. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of tension after that as to whether or not he's going to succeed in his, in his task. I don't I don't agree with that. But I, I will say this. Where it tries to be more than that, I think a couple times it fails. And, and it, at least it's failing for a good cause. So the failure to me is like the town that he ends up being a, a sheriff or a deputy in 
um, it has this in the town square like this fucking mega scaffold for hanging people. Oh yeah. And you know it it plays a little too heavily into the old the historical trope, I guess, of like the town gathers to you know as like a date night or Sunday outing to watch the hangings, and it's like popcorn, get your popcorn here, and it's like okay, we get it, you know, they're all desensitized. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it did remind me of you, you've read uh, George Orwell's A Hanging. I probably have. I mean, the, well, it... what's most notable about it, it's it's it, they're taking a man to go be hung to 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 hang him, and and he as they're marching him out, he avoids a, a mud puddle, mm-hmm. and and the narrator notes like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why would you avoid a mud puddle? You're gonna die right now. And then also mm. a dog comes up and is oblivious to what everyone else is feeling and starts licking the guy's face. Uh, and it's like, yeah. oh, you start to realize how how absurd everything is, including right. the justice system, including the death penalty. Mm-hmm. And we start in the film, I think, really, like, there's there's a lot of foreshadowing. The first thing that Clint Eastwood does as he's moving this, this herd of cattle uh, across a river, a cattle that he thinks he's bought outright and, right. and justly mm-hmm. and legally, but they think he's stolen, is there's a calf that gets stuck and he has to, like, rescue the innocent calf so like he establishes himself yeah, yeah, as yeah. I, I thought that was a really nice touch yeah, yeah so he's like really touch. just he's got justice in him and he's got gentleness in him but also like you know the capacity for vengeance and it's like what do you do with that and then there's a sideline that also tries too hard and doesn't work and it's with inger stevens yeah the ro- the, the romantic interest is just very misplaced in this well i don't even care about that that's that you're right that is superfluous and it only is about like five minutes of screen time but there's a a sort of subplot where she's clearly been sexually assaulted in the past so she visits the jails trying to identify the one man who had assaulted her because it's the only hanging she cares about right and so it's like that's kind of an interesting um variable in here because instead of it just being clint is right because he's just and sees that they're overhanging people and pat hingle's a shithead who's been institutionalized to the point where he sees hanging as the only yeah. like, thing to do you also have this woman in here who's like yeah she's against it except when it really matters like her 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 vote counts more than anyone else's in that because she wants mm-hmm. a particular person hung right. for something that was particularly heinous in her life mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's like it's it, when it fails, it's only because it's trying too hard for something that's a, a, like an admirable try. Except uh, for the romance thing, which I, I think you're right. Yeah, about. that's just a misfire. But I would just say this: I did a little bit of the research on it uh, just because it was fascinating. Because because I kind of felt like you did that 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 uh, hanging platform looked a little cartoonish. Yeah. So I just looked it up, and apparently it's based on an actual town. Not it. The movie. This movie is set in, in the Oklahoma Territory, but it's based on like a town. I want I want to say it's in Arkansas, but I'm probably wrong about it. it might have been arizona um i seem to recall it starting with an a but it's like based on an actual judge in like an actual town and a real sort of a setting there it's pretty, pretty oh yeah wild. i don't find it absurd my point isn't that i don't think that things like that existed i've seen pictures of those those mega scaffolds my point is that it, it's more like the the circus environment which again i think also existed but that the film mm. spends so much time on it it's like yeah we, we understand without you having to have people selling T-shirt, you know, cannons or whatever yeah. at this event, that it's what what a, a, a parody the whole concept of justice has become for most people. I got to be honest, just the notion of like a hanging with a with a T-shirt cannon that would be kind of fun. Just paint, see if you can like make. <laughs> All right. All right. I, I'm with you. I was waiting for your punchline. Right. I didn't mean to outrage you on that one, my friend. I was waiting for no, the punchline. The moral is outrage is, 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 is just 
soaking off of you, my friend. I don't even know what that means. I'm tired too. So, but I think that and 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but that preacher, the one uh, who's you know, going off, uh, very Old Testament style, yeah, uh, on the scaffolding. I think that was Dennis Hopper. No, Dennis Hopper was. Um uh, oh, the preacher. Yeah, I'm sorry. I yeah. thought you meant the actual one who worked for the state. No, that was Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. See, that's the difference between a lot of the people in, in, in these movies who, who, you know, are kind of like um, classic. I don't know if you call him second Bennett, whatever Ned Beatty was, whatever that role in Hollywood is where you're just like uh, supporting you know, actor, supporting actor. Dennis Hopper is, I have less respect for him the more I see him. Because it's like, it's, <laughs> he's only just like cuckoo uh, banana pants, well, uh, you know, 25 yeah. lines of cuckoo banana pants in a movie. And it's like, I can't, I can't take it. It's like, is there anything else? Bruce Dern, mm-hmm. sometimes I love him. Sometimes I am annoyed by him. Yep. But at least he's an actor. Right. He's not just kind of trotting out the same. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, fucking Dennis Hopper. Boo. Nah. Well, he's had a couple of roles I love. Like? True romance. Yeah, but uh, yes, but to my point, it's it's almost like a cutout of a magazine. I mean, he's almost like a, a cardboard. It's like let's 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 get a Dennis Hopper in here. Oh, why don't we just make a Dennis Hopper? I understand your point, but the, but 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 here's the thing: uh, he's a type for a reason. So you, when you do have that spot, you can just plug him in. And so so sometimes he's a, sometimes I find him appropriate. I can't be honest with you. I don't think true romance is that great. People love it. I just I think it's uh, because it's very. <laughs> now I'm going to lean on the metaphor here. Mm-hmm. Very Dennis Hoppery. It's very like. <laughs> well, it's very Tarantino-y. Yes, well. well, I mean, the thing with Tarantino, like uh, like um, Christopher Walken, you know, mm-hmm. with the uh, that watch up my ass for eight years. Mm-hmm. That's great, but a whole movie full of that would be terrible. Okay. And that's how I feel about. I just uh, true man. I don't know. You don't why. like true romance? That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't like it that much. Huh. Like I, I, I don't. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, hang you on. Know, my... Hey, you have you have the right to your own wrong opinion, Joe. That's that's fine. Well, what do you like about? Uh, maybe I'm. I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's. Well, seems... me neither. I don't even know what I like about it anymore. I mean, so. Tarantino. Either you love you love him or you hate him, but it seems like that's one where he did. It really wasn't his. Well, he didn't direct it. So right. There's always that I mean. weird so... thing where. Taking Tarantino uh, script and try to direct it, it never comes out as Tarantino would have done it. So, huh. yeah. all right. Uh, let's start off with Hang Am I. Um, let's see. No, I think it was. A, I, like I said, I like it. It's an enjoyable movie. It's not his best movie, but it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it's one of my favorite in the in the Western categories for sure. Okay. Uh, I think I like it better than High Plains Drifter. High Plains Drifter is got some yeah. of the same problems the next movie that we're going to talk about I has. find High Plains Drifter boring I guess, like, just to be honest with you yeah and it's the o- slowness it's the slowness in it doesn't work to its advantage and me. it's only it's only stylized yeah I yeah, can't think of yeah. anything beyond the stylization that's very interesting about about that movie I will say this and this becomes more true of the second one I, I don't know what happened with Clint Eastwood and some woman he knew who was raped but it is a never-ending storyline. And it's always Sandra Locke. That somebody <laughs> is raped. And Sandra Locke is usually, yeah, it's like two or three times. Usually her, her, yeah. But but it's like, yeah, I don't know what that's about, but it's not very interesting after a while. <clears throat> but I don't know. He had a, you know that he it's, had a... Um, it sounds well-intentioned, but maybe loaded, but go on. 
What do you mean? Say it again? Uh, well, I mean, what's interesting about rape, everybody? I mean, but... Well, that you would have it so often. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? yeah. And also, it's not like you, you know, have it so often in Explorer. It's oh. the same storyline. You have it, and then he saves her from it, whoever yeah. her is. You know what? i got to be honest. I find that true of... Fuck, I can't remember the name of the writer. Uh, Hotel New Hampshire. John Irving. John Irving. Like, almost specifically the same thing. Like, there's, there's this theme that goes through, like, a couple of the, the books of his that I read. Yeah. That was all it was all about the rape sister situation. Uh-huh. That was just, uh, it seemed like a weird thing to keep pounding on for some reason. But yeah. could never quite figure it out. Uh, Any event. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right. Yeah, anyway, um, um, uh, The Outlaw Josie Wells. Outlaw Josie Wells. 1976. All right. Definitely more of a like a distinct storyline on this. So, so from a historical standpoint, there's some really interesting facts going on here, things going on here. But it's not that kind of, it's kind of boring too. It's again, it's it's slow at times and it, and not necessarily well served by that. I think it's three quarters of a great movie. I just think the last quarter stinks. <laughs> but I, I like I mean, everything spe- specifically the end of the movie. Yeah, specifically okay. the okay. last half hour or more of the, the movie. Weird, the hippie commune didn't appeal. The hippie commune. Yeah, hippie commune. Yeah, it's where they put together the farm stand and then defend oh, it. That. Yeah, it, 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 it's a little word old lady. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, it's not just that. I mean, look, it's it's it, it's the first I think entry of his that's that's Western as art, like what would later become like Pale yeah. Rider, and then mm. was probably on a continuum starting with the wild bunch and the long riders and like let's let's see the western as by the way i have to say this too i'm i'm happy with your choices and this idea of doing this but i just have to say this is now the fourth or fifth episode in a row that is westerns wow we got to stay away from westerns for a while okay but but having said that i i appreciate what it's trying to do i like that he's he's um he starts off. He doesn't start start off as like the man with the squinty eyes of steel. He starts off as, as a bit of a victim. Mm-hmm. I don't like that he pulls a revolver out of the smoldering fire and then starts using it right away. But that's fine. He's got some some vengeance in mind. Um, he's a little a little over the top with the sort of like um, the, the, the squinty lines. silent thing. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, yeah like uh, there's a lot of. Well, first of all, who's in it is fucking. I mean. Is it John Vernon? Fucking love that guy. <laughs> Don't know why I do, but I do. Fucking Dean Wormer. Mr. Mr. Wells. <laughs> zero point zero. <laughs> Dean Wormer. Yeah, he's fucking, oh. he's great in it. Um, but it does rely on a couple of tropes that are fucking, like, you know, the guy who goes, he's Robert Ryan, essentially, in, in The Wild Bunch, right? Yeah. He, he's really on Clint Eastwood's side, but right. then he turns all his men in <laughs> to get himself out of trouble. Yeah. Uh, the Union is the, the sort of villainous, I don't, whatever. The, the, go ahead. No, no, no. There was this weird time period, like, in the 70s when, and, and it really appears heavily in our, uh, in movies, but it also appears in art. It's sort of this weird, kind of an odd reclaiming of the Western, uh, making it sort of grittier, more realistic. And one of the things that comes along with it is that there's a little bit of apologism, it seems, for, like, the Confederates, like, for, for the Confederacy in this, in a sense. Uh-huh. I don't know how to put it. I mean, like, so, you know, the night they drove old Dixie down was a big was a big song at the time mm-hmm. that this was coming out. There's just this, this really kind Leonard of... Leonard Skinner. 
Leonard Skinner existed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Southern man. Uh, so it's just, yeah, there was just this kind of, it, it, it was, the, the other thing about this is too, is that this is also then a time capsule of the time when the movie came out. And it was like a deliberate shift away from sort of the glossy Westerns of, pa- of the past, you know, the John Ford uh, and, and in, in more, you know, and singing cowboy nonsense, yeah. uh, try to, try to, they try to, grounded a little bit more in realism and then you know there's always a part in there where like you know the indians have a point uh <laughs> get said or or expressed in some way um but so it's just that like i said i think it's a it's an interesting time capsule yeah. of westerns from the 70s but i think there are better versions of that yeah i mean where it's good it's really good it's yeah. sort of like it's a mixed bag like i i there are, are two kind of um um stock Indian characters in films and one of them I think was from the 70s that worked a lot mm-hmm. it worked well I think was like the in the Indian that who's um hilarious enough to where you start giving him credit for wisdom for working the situation <laughs> and I thought that, that the, the Indian character who yeah. was great he was really funny guy, right? he was yeah, smart yeah. and then you have the other one which is the squaw who won't stop hanging around you and it's like boy that's right out of the searchers and it's kind of was boring then yeah. and then the same thing with like what's it, Sandra Locke right this is the woman who eventually mm-hmm. sued him for um, palimony palimony he created the, she the took, he took of all of her spotted horses and she, um, she is just a bore. I, I don't like her in no, anything she does. She's, she's terrible. I don't understand it. The kid who he's with, the the, the sort of like eighteen year old at the beginning, like after the no, massacre, no good, uh, no. annoying. I, I John Vernon was the only and the and the native guy whose name I can't remember. The only ones I really got into here. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're a wide cast of characters that were mostly kind of annoying. Yeah, but the but the pacing's kind of cool. I mean, I, I like yeah. it's 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 that Clint Eastwood thing where it's like he doesn't mind silence. He doesn't mind a camera where he's where really good in that. He's great at not just I, we don't just mean like that's like his, his silent character. I yeah. mean like a camera that's pointed at yeah. a river and the wind is going for the trees for forty mm-hmm. seconds. It's like he's really good at keeping your attention in, in a spot. So I liked all of that stuff. Again, by the way, there's a couple of rapes here. Before we get to Sandra Locke, there's the the Indian woman who's about to be raped. Yep. Um, they make a big. There's a big thing with him with with spitting chewing tobacco, and it gets a that little poor dog. a little old. He starts nailing some poor dog in the head. That's just rude. Yeah, I, but but really, I was down with it until the last half hour, and there were moves like when he finally um, faces his, the antagonist. The, the mm-hmm. Union soldier who's been pushing the whole, you know, chase. Head of, the, head of the Red Legs. He gets up and, like, the guy pulls out a saber, and I don't know who was doing an editing job on this, but but Clint practically, like, they they have to place Clint's, like, hand around his... I mean, it's, like, really, really horribly and awkwardly done. Nah. The fight scene, uh, just, I don't know. It just fell apart for I me. Be, I think I'm... I think, I get, uh, let me say this. Let me say this, Joseph. Um, I think one of the... I think the big problem I have with this movie is it's kind of... Like, the better parts are the parts when it's just Clint Eastwood and being a badass. Like, this kind of... This movie's trying too hard, and it's, it, because it's trying so hard... It's not able to sort of really do what this movie actually did very well. 
That was. Go ahead. It was fucking awesome. That was a fucking great explanation, you <laughs> bastard. Like Clint Eastwood just blowing away fucking Union soldiers was yeah. great, but then having this guy who's like portraying a severe outcast and somebody who's also a misanthropic, like a motherfucker, uh, is having this weird cavalcade of people following him around. This is kind of weird. I, it's just, Wait, is it's he just a, a little out of. Is he? I mean, he seems I, like it. It seems like he doesn't like most anybody. No, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, it's it's all about the company you keep. When he was with those the Confederate soldiers, and when they picked him up, and he he rides, he has a great relationship with them. Yeah, and then he has one with the kid, and then he has one with the India. I mean, he like all of those people are people that he liked. It's about the good versus the bad people. Mm. I mean, I I don't know. Okay, what makes him misanthropic necessarily? That's to you. I kind of like the silence right here. Oh, I see. Do that's like a Clint moment. Yeah, that's right, man. Hold on, squint, squint. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. What? So, what's what's our final verdict on this movie then? Um, I think it's it's good and it had the potential to be great, but it just got it just got bogged down in a bunch of unnecessary bullshit. Hmm. Okay. That's not very descriptive, I guess, but. That's. Well, not, not as good as mine, but I get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. So we should figure. I guess the, the whenever we do a next Clint would I guess obviously just be like two great cop movies or something. Kelly's Heroes. Let's do his war movies. I forgot about Force his war Ten movies. from Navarone. No, that was Harrison Ford. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got to be another war movie. God, fucking Kelly's Heroes. Wow, well, this is the eighties. A Heartbreak Ridge and stuff. I mean, he he really made some terrible. Oh, movies. what was it? Is that the one where he was in the goddamn Marines? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was I, uh, and I watched it like four times. Did you really? I wasn't. I was just at a boot camp. <laughs> it's been a terrible time for you. Ah, it was. It was. What was the worst part of it? Worst part of it? Yeah. Um, that's right. Getting up at four in the morning. That was rough. Not great. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of not great, <laughs> I see that's the thing. You say that every fucking time, and, and only at our better episodes. So there. this was not a good one. I can ah, this was that great, much. dude. This is great. This is great. I had to do it in the car. We did it in a car. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, People have been Tommy. walking by, looking at us in their hoodies. <laughs>